Movies and Booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer on News Talk. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk 087 106 is our WhatsApp number. Our email address is afternoon at newstalk.com or you can follow us on Twitter. It is indeed time uh, once again for Movies and Booze. We are joined in the studio by Fanula Jones, Dean McGuinness and Chris Wasser. Good afternoon to you all. Hi guys. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, Dean, long time no see. I yeah, think, it's, uh, yeah, it's been a while, yeah. Uh, we've kind of been ships passing in the night for a few months. I think there's been a bit of that. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't, I'm, I'm glad to hear it wasn't like, we don't talk to Dean anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, um, uh, it was just a timing thing. Now, uh, interestingly, the, the uh, part of this, I don't know if it's a trend, but oftentimes you have beer masquerading as wine or kind of comes in wine-shaped vessels and wine-shaped yeah. bottles, judging yeah. from the look of that. Well, this is uh, what Michael, the um, beer Michael Jackson uh, described as the Grand Cru of beer, uh, okay. Rodenbach, and it's quite cool. We um, we had uh, a kind of, well, when you're a beer geek like me, he's a, a rock star of the beer industry, was over in Ireland a few weeks ago, a guy called Rudy Gekria. Um He is the master brewer at Rodenbach for over 40 years. And about 10 years ago, he started brewing this beer. Uh, mm. Rodenbach evolved and it has just come out in the last few months. Uh, so I got to taste it for the first time at the Brussels Beer Festival. So that's the first beer that we're tasting. And then Rodenbach Alexander is a fruit version of Rodenbach brewed with, uh, it's macerated on, on cherries. Okay, yeah. and the, But the glasses do look kind of like wine glasses. Yeah, they're they are. They're, glasses. they're effectively uh, wine glasses in shape. And, and some people would describe Rodenbach as a, a, having a kind of a Pinot Noir type of uh, flavour to it. Um, it's quite fruity. It's, it's interesting. We've got a, a, a bit of a chat about the use of oak in beer. And it's something that um, over the last 2,000 years was used for a very long time. And over the last 200 years has disappeared quite a bit and mm. has become uh, quite popular again but Rodenbach has maintained the use of oak over, over those 200 years Yeah, okay, right Now our two movies today Chris uh, uh, I suppose one of them you could say is in the category of oh I thought she was dead uh, Meg Ryan <laughs> <laughs> And the other film Where has she been? <laughs> and the other films about chickens uh, <laughs> uh, Meg Ryan has been uh, dreaming up this film for, for a long time actually uh, she directs this she produces it she stars in it she co-wrote the script um, yeah it's a romantic comedy set in an airport on leap day okay um, so, so a big reach for Meg Ryan uh, uh, it is yeah really. she's, she's directed before but she's never directed a romantic comedy and this this film is actually uh, dedicated to Nora Ephron Nora Ephron okay. being you know the yeah. filmmaker who you know gave us uh, when Harry Met Sally um, mm. uh, Sleepless in Seattle wonderful uh, romantic comedy filmmaker um, so there's that with David Duchovny and then the second film is as I say about chickens uh, it is a legacy sequel to Chicken Run 23 years in the making um, uh, Chicken Run being the Arman animation stop motion mm. gem uh, you might be asking yourself do we need a sequel to Chicken Run um, I'll tell you the answer to that yes yeah. um, why, twi- <laughs> why, why 23 years it takes an awful long time stop motion Sean okay <laughs> 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 Okay, that's a pathetic excuse, <laughs> uh, if, there, if there ever was one. Yeah, the, I, think, the, I think legacy sequels are all the rage and have been for maybe the last five to ten years. And, okay. maybe they and legacy spe- a sequel means what exactly? It means a sequel that's years in the making where you might have uh, uh, new characters alongside characters from an original one. So it's not yeah. just, you know, anything released five years after a, a film is not a legacy sequel. Something like Blade Runner 2049, Tron 2. Mm. Um, yeah, they are the long-awaited sequels. That the, There's always something for the original fans but then they're kind of looking at looking towards the future looking at like you know building up a new franchise basically. yeah and, and this is 
like the the chicken run is it the same people who made the first one or are they it's, kind of like they're, sort of over there in the distance waving benignly with the checkbook yeah pretty much you you, you do have nick uh park and peter lord who directed and came up with the story and the, uh, you know they're the stop motion kings at Ardman. uh they are executive producers here so they're more in a, a godfather capacity just kind of mm. you know signing off and everything and instead of having you know steven spielberg and the lads of dreamworks where you had with chicken run you've got netflix so there is a lot of newness about this and also with the cast as well which we'll get into which has been a little bit controversial yes yeah actually yeah that would be an interesting one to talk about so uh actually uh, um because mel gibson might be mentioned in the course of that conversation uh maybe they could get him to uh host the golden globes because nobody else will <laughs> well i would hate to see that person but yeah um, with the golden globes nominations earlier this week uh, a lot of irish interest i think we're 50 percent of the nominations yeah. the best actor in a drama category, which is amazing. They cannot get a host, apparently. Um, it's on CBS this year, this year um, first year at this network, and they've gone to kind of pretty much everyone, a lot of big comedians. They went to Chris Rock. Apparently, Chris Rock said no. Oh, they went to... I wonder why. They went to... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, should have thought that through, guys. Um, they went to Ali Wong. Apparently, she said no, a star of the Netflix series Beef this year, most notably, I would say. They went to the guys who do the Smartless podcast, Will Arnett, Sean Hayes, Jason Bateman, obviously actors in their own right. Apparently they said no. I think there was talk about maybe getting Amy Poehler and Tina Fey back in, but they've done it a couple of times. And the last time they, they were like, this is the last one, we're not doing it again. Um, so yeah, it just feels like they can't really recover from the 2021 controversy of the Los Angeles Times, mm. you know, investigating them uh, in terms of their the lack of black members within the Hollywood Farm Press Association and the kind of things they were doing or things were, that were being done to secure nominations. Yeah. It just feels like the glitz has fully... Gone they were never it. really taken as seriously in comparison to the likes of Anne Oscars, but it, it seems to have really be gone. Now, I was reading reports that, like, they obviously want someone kind of veteran, but the veterans are like, this is way too much work and it's kind of a thankless task. So, like, any newbie comedian would probably want it, but they obviously don't want a newbie. They want a name to draw people in the likes of like you know you have Trevor Noah is hosting the Grammys again Jimmy Kimmel is doing uh, the Oscars mm. so yeah could be hostless uh, and uh, well uh, also to kind of give it some degree of endorsement and credibility back home with the thought well yeah exactly the, the yeah. central problem but all the people who are nominated what are they not going to show up because you know well no I, I, I think principle yeah. they win an award they oh no not me I won't take that no I doubt it because you still see like even the year that it was I can't remember the year offhand I don't know if it was last year or anyway there was one year where it was just not on air and it was all happening online and you still had actors like acknowledging mm. their wins and stuff so I think to certain actors and whatever it's still. I mean, it's still an award, you know. Yeah, what I mean? I know, absolutely, and it's known around the world. Yeah, and, and the yeah. thing with it's usually a decent indication of the Oscars. Chris, yeah. I'm right in saying that. Uh, I do. It's they give them out like M and M's. Yeah, I mean, like twelve actors across like the musical comedy well, yeah, and drama. They sp- ca- yeah, yeah, there's too split, many. They yeah. split the drama and the comedy categories. And also, sorry, I should say this is also the first year that they have those two new categories that I talked about before. Yeah, there's one for comedy special, which I do think is a decent category, and mm. then the other one, which I can't remember the name of, but it's essentially an award to the best commercially performing. It kind of opens it up to the likes of the Marvels, you know, the big studio ones that might have made a lot of money but aren't necessarily recognised in a critical award show capacity. So. Yeah, yeah. How does it work though if it's hostless? They'll probably do like a rotation of, you know, it's different actors introducing categories because they have done it before and there have been award ceremonies that have been hostless before but it's just, it kind of... Takes the buzz out of it. Yeah, mm. kind of, yeah. And you won't have an opening monologue where 
the host takes the mickey out of whoever's yeah, in the Yeah, exactly. Kind of yeah, yeah. Unless you had sort of a disembodied voice saying, oh, look at that in him. Mm-hmm. Have they asked Ricky Gervais? Um, not that I'm aware. I feel He'd like he it. said before he wouldn't do it again, though. I think yeah, this last the right one the last money, one. He would do it. He'd do anything. But this is yeah. the thing as well. I'm like, do they just not have the money in the pocket? Maybe not, like, no. Please, please yeah. do it, please. Yeah. But it's uh, a month out, like, so they're cutting a fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, I know uh, many people uh, listening are, are dying to hear uh, the Netflix viewing figures. They did release an 18,000 row spreadsheet. Uh, Fanula's been poring over that. Uh, with a team of scientists uh, yeah. to figure out what it all means. Uh, uh, so uh, what does it all mean? I actually was very interested in this because I've talked about it so often on this show, how secretive and guarded streamers are about their viewing data, mm. especially Netflix are the first ones to come out and be like, this has been watched for hours. Aren't we brilliant? We're just the best in the world. But then you've no, like, we don't know. Like, we don't know if they're, whatever. It's just all kind of press release speak. But yeah, as you said, they've released their kind of first chunk of viewership data it uh, follows the the watching habits through January January to June of this year um, and as you said 18,000 raw spreadsheet I'm not going to go through everything now thank God says you listening at home um, there was a lot of pressure during the strikes obviously to be like you need to release these figures because we have no, the actors were like we've no idea if this is being viewed once or yeah. 100 billion million yeah. times and I'm still being paid diddly squat essentially so I thought the most significant things well sorry the way they track user engagement is they use an hours watch metric which means how many <laughs> people don't watch yeah. things anymore they engage with <laughs> they them engage with things, I'm going yeah. to engage with Bridgerton tonight. I love to engage with the bear. Um, but it basically means how many hours a piece of content was viewed as opposed to like, because they can't track how many people watched. Yeah. Because you have profiles on a, on a Netflix account, whatever. It, but basically, so the report is very TV heavy for that reason. Because obviously mm. with a TV show and TV series, there are more hours there in comparison to a movie. So topping the chart was the first season of The Night Agent, which is something that I have not watched. Oh, uh, it came okay. out in March. It's a US action thriller. Um, and that was watched uh, more than 812 million hours watched globally, apparently. Um, and then other high-performing titles, Wednesday is an obvious one, You, um, The Bridgerton spin-off, Queen Charlotte did very well. In terms of movies, I'm going to be honest, a lot of these I haven't heard of, but I know a few of them we have reviewed on this show. Um, the Mother was number one. We had Luther, Fallen Son was wow. number two, which I know we reviewed here. Yeah. Extraction 2, then You People, which is Seth Rogen and uh, Eddie Murphy, I think, also reviewed on the show. Murder Mystery 2, Your Place or Mine, Glass Onion, which is a Knives Out mystery. Yeah. We Have a Ghost. I haven't heard of either of these three uh, rounding out the top ten. We Have a Ghost, The Pale Blue Eye and AKA. So yeah, wow. Apparently, this data is going to be released now. It's very uh, random. Modern it? life, yeah, very yeah. random. Yeah, it was a prescient statement. Thing, like eight of the top ten have been like developed or financed in some way by Netflix. So it's kind of like, yeah. okay, okay, yeah. yeah. So we get these reports every um, every six months. I will say, notably, something that didn't make the top 200 from what I could see, Harry and Meghan's uh, big, big, oh, big dollar documentary yes. series. Yeah. Oh, didn't make the top 200. Crazy. Oh, God. Yeah. That's not, well, he got a few bob today from the Daily Mirror or whatever. So that's uh, so yeah, fine. I think yeah. keep him going. Yeah. Uh, someone, uh, and the night agent was so good. Uh, Brain Dead TV wasn't too serious and the script was nothing new, but it was really good. Didn't try to be too serious or artsy like every other TV show is doing these days. Yeah. Can you really describe something as really good and then the next sentence say Brain Dead? Yeah, I mean? that was, well, that was what this particular person was looking for in okay. the programme. Yeah. Nothing that was going to make them go off and think about their life. And th- yeah, that's yeah. fine. You know what? That's, that's absolutely that, that, that's that's fine. Uh, somebody else says, I saw Femme recently. 
Are you familiar yeah. with this? Yeah. Uh, what a brilliant film. That British actor George McKay is brilliant. Oh, he's something else. S- such a range of roles, but zero Oscar recognition. Meanwhile, Barry Keoghan gets the sa- plays the same character in every film and gets nominated for everything. It's baffling. Every time I come in here, I think I defend Barry Keoghan. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's not happening deliberately. Yeah, yeah. You can't compare and con- on contrast those, those, those actors. George McKay is a wonderful actor. He made that Ned Kelly film a few years ago. It was, uh, it was, it was very, very strange. Um, mm. I don't think anyone saw it because it came out right as the pandemic hit. Um, but the... Yeah, Barry Keoghan is a fine actor. Yes. I don't just mean he's fine. He's a terrific actor. No, uh, but you're, actually, George, but they make a point in the sense that George McKay, you know, people won't be struggling to think, who's George McKay mm. exactly? You know, yeah. yeah. I what? think that film movie yeah. kind of flew under the radar. It did, yeah. Bitch, yeah, yeah. I think it just came out though. It's only out in the last two weeks. Yeah. Uh, and also, if people haven't seen George McKay, I think uh, Sam Mendes is nineteen seventy, and he's yeah, into that. Mm. yeah. Uh, ah, come on! Reality TV is brain dead TV, and I love it, but it's brain dead. Oh, same. But I also okay, wouldn't describe enough. it in the same like Venn diagram as really good. Uh, no, no. No, you know but this person loves it though, and loves me the too. Same. Yeah, Listener, me too. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, you can you can watch it and knit at the yeah. same time. <laughs> uh, right. So, uh, tell us about our first beer, Dean. Right. So we've got Rodenbach Evolved. Uh, you better stick one in front of Chris there. Yeah, that tongue will stick to the table. We're, we're going to have to see if we can <laughs> rotate them all the way around the table because I didn't manage to get the. Okay, there we go. Well done. Now, thanks, Mammy. Um, So, yeah, Rodenbach (laughs) is um, a brewery that has been brewing on oak. Now, when you're brewing on, uh, when you're using oak in brewing, there's a few different ways that you can get flavour from the oak. Um, A lot of people will Mm. be familiar with the idea of uh, flavour in whiskey coming from the time that the the whiskey spends in an oak vat. And you can get vanilla and spicy flavours from that. Uh, with uh, Rodenbach, it's a slightly different situation. They're uh, both aging and fermenting in oak. So they have um, a microbiological ecosystem living in the oak vats. It's a huge oak fodder, um, uh, literally um, kind of tens of feet tall. And uh, the beer spends an amount of time uh, in that fodder between a couple of months up to two, three years. And what they do then is blend the beer and depending on the blend, you get a different version of Rodenbach. So Rodenbach Classic is a blend of um, 75% young beer and 25% about two to three-year-old beer. Rodenbach Grand Cru is a blend of 66% two to three-year-old beer and 33% young beer, so a a majority of uh, two to three-year-old beer. And then to celebrate the uh, 200th anniversary of the brewery, they brought out Rodenbach Evolved. And that's a Grand Cru blend, but it is 10-year-old Rodenbach. Wow. Uh, blended with uh, young beers. So 66% 10-year-old Rodenbach from a specific folder from mm-hmm. folder number 95, uh, which is the one that's been selected. And I think now with Rodenbach... Uh, there is different levels of control that brewers have over fermentation. So at the simplest level, uh, mainstream beers will typically have a single strain yeast. So it's one specific genetic variety of yeast that's uh, causing the fermentation. And they can make sure that the beer is clean by making sure that they just have that um, strain of yeast in the in the beer. Uh, with some more traditional breweries, they'll have multi-strain yeast. Black Sheep in, in the UK have a three-strain yeast, so they have to keep all three yeasts happy in the same proportion. Um, about 50 different strains of yeast have been identified in the Chimay yeast strain. Um, but in all cases, you're brewing 
with a, a microorganism called Saccharomyces cerevisiae, uh, effectively brewer's yeast. Uh, with a mixed fermentation, you have different types of uh, microbiological organisms living in the wood. Uh, so you get the, the yeast fermentation from the beer, but also different types of fermentations from different types of uh, microbiological organi- uh, organisms. Um, that uh, fermentation is a little bit more controlled than you have with a spontaneous fermentation, which is the one with the flying cheese going through the air. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the, 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 uh, mm, uh, Chris the, Bag. <laughs> The, uh, with a lambic fermentation, they literally open the windows in the brewery, let air go through, yep. and it's it's uh, yeast from the air settling into the beer. Now, with uh, lambic uh, fermentations, you can get with spontaneous fermentations, you can get leathery flavours, um, goaty flavours, you know, real kind of unusual mm. uh, flavours sometimes that you get in, in organic wines as well. With a mixed fermentation, if you're getting flavours from the folder that you don't like, you can just not use that folder. Or if you're aging in an oak vessel and if you're getting flavours that you don't want to get, you can isolate that and and not use it. So they've got a little bit more control, but they get some incredible flavours in the beer. So in this, you've got... um, uh, cherry, raspberry, uh, yeah, cranberry. Yeah. Um, there's a bit of cider vinegar in it. And all of the flavours that are coming through in this, it's really nostalgic for me because I've been tasting Rodenbach for 15, 20 years. And the flavour of Rodenbach has evolved over time. About 15, 18 years ago, it was getting predominantly cherry with other flavours in it. About eight, nine years ago, it was raspberry. In the last four to five years and up to now, uh, Rodenbach Grand Cru has been more cider vinegary with the other flavours in there as well. Um, but different flavours come to the fore depending on the folder that they use. With this, because it's a 10-year-old beer, you seem to have a blend of all of the flavours coming through, so it kind of triggers different memories of different yeah, yes, over time. Yeah, yeah um, there's a lot in there. All right. yeah, yeah, very yes. complex, as they say. Um, now, uh, vanilla, um, uh, almond as well, so there's a little bit of cherry uh, cherry Bakewell tart mm. um, in there as well. Incredibly dry, um, but also sweet and tart, uh, and it's mm. uh, got a, a tiny little buzz of carbonation and then a really velvety mouthfeel um, coupled with that kind of acidic mouthwatering uh, flavour. Yeah. So yeah, slightly expensive beer. It's um, uh, in the kind of 18 to 20 euros for a 750 milliliter bottle. Right, okay. More than worth it and it's hard to get. Uh, it's in... Uh, Is it? Uh, yeah. yeah the, um, there's about uh, 60, 80 bottles in the country. Um, oh, crikey. We're so, honoured then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, anyone searching for a sorry, we have yours. Do Rodden Mac do... Uh, uh, do any exclusively, you know, the, because that's a brand, it's mostly the 10-year-old, but do they do bottles of just the 10-year-old? They do uh, They do a beer called Rodenbach Vintage, which they release every year to two years. And that's a single folder uh, beer. And it's 100% from that single folder. Mm. It's usually three years old. This is the first time we've got to taste um, uh, a 10-year-old Rodenbach blended with, yeah. with young beer. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they've done it. Uh, uh, like it, when it, It's something that... Uh, in modern companies, you you don't have this type of thing where people kind of think, oh, God, hang on a second. In 10, 11, 12 years' time, we're going to have a big event, so I'd better start planning for that. I know, you yeah. Know, in a modern company, the chances of the person being there in 10, 11, 12 years' time <laughs> yes. is kind of same. Um, so literally, this beer started about 12 years ago as an idea, and uh, they brewed the beer, and uh, uh, it had to had to age for that amount of time before, before that's, it, uh, uh, yeah. it comes. So that's for foresight uh, for you. Yep. Uh, get Stephen Colbert to host the Golden Globes now that the awards are on CBS. Yeah, I think, they're, I think they're looking at that. But again, I just, I don't know what he want to, is the thing. Yeah, I the feel thing. like everyone's just like backing away. Mm. No, don't want this. 
Movies and Booze, I'm Moncrief. With Marks and Spencer. On News Talk. Right. All we have to do now is keep quiet and not draw attention to ourselves. Cock a doodle doo! Rocky! Um, given our new situation, maybe you shouldn't crow anymore. <laughs> Don't crow? <laughs> but that's like my thing. Maybe you could do a different thing. A quieter one? Wow, look at this! Molly, get away from that! Uh, Ginge, can we talk about... The She's right, you know. Ah, careless squawks cost lives. There you go, that's uh, Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nuggets. Uh, 23 years ago was the original uh, Chicken Run. Uh, Chris Bassa is about to destroy Fanula Jones' childhood. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, uh, to talk, talking about this one. It beca- nobody asked for this, Nobody Chris, asked so... for it. Nobody asked for it. Yeah. There's a reason, I mean, you can joke about it. Like, these things do take a lot of time. It mm. takes around 18 months to shoot maybe a 10-minute sequence. So you have various stages. I think you've got about probably 30 stages across Urban Studios where everybody is on working on a different scene because they everyone can't be working on the same scene yeah. or, you know, it would take about 100 years for a Chicken Run sequel to come about. Um, but the first film just wrapped things up so perfectly. I mean, the heroes, you know, they got their great escape. They, you know, flew out of the chicken farm. The the body got what was coming to her. She ended up in, the, in a pie machine covered in gravy. Uh, you know, even the husband turned on her. You know, it was a very happy ending. They all set up that home on that, you know, idyllic bird sanctuary in the middle of a lake. Game over, job done, mm. everyone go home. There's no need for a second one. And I think at some point there was talk of let's make a prequel or let's make a spin-off focusing on Mel Gibson's Rocky character. Maybe that actually could have worked. But instead, they've decided, they being Urban Studios, with uh, funding from Netflix to continue the story, um, but not without controversies. Um, and I think the big one is uh, the casting decisions here, which I cannot make sense of. Yeah. So I can make sense of maybe Urban saying, you know what, Mel Gibson isn't you know the family-friendly draw that he used to be. I don't think we can have him fronting this, uh, you know, a film that's geared towards the younger audience. Fair enough, despite the fact that he was magic in that first one. Yeah, um, and it's just his voice. It's so. just his voice, yeah. yeah. But the, but you know, they know they would be they 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 take a lot of heat for that. There, yeah, there will okay. there will be trouble. But not bringing back Julia Sawala, who was the protagonist. He, she's the mm. hero, not yeah. Mel, uh, from the first one. That is just baffling. And according to Julia Sawala, uh, she says that. Um, she received an email to say that you know she sounded too old, and she recorded the thing and put it up on Twitter and said, "This is how I sound in 2020." Because she said she was devastated about it. You know, she she yeah. heard that they were making the sequel and thought, "Well, here we go," and all mm. of the cast is going to be reunited. Um, but they decided to go with someone else. Now, the director Sam Fell has been answering questions about this this week, uh, this week and he said that it's a reboot. You know, we're we're making alterations because it's a it's a new direction. Uh, we're rebooting the franchise. Uh, that kind of makes me think that they they do have more in mind. Fair enough, Mister Fell. But half the cast is made up of players who were in the first one. Yeah. You've got you yeah. know you know you've got Jane Horrocks in there. You've got Miranda Richardson back as Mrs. Tweedy. You've got Amelda Staunton who is currently the Queen of the Crown. They were all in the first one. They're all in the second one. I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I I I smell foul play there, Sean. Oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, kudos for restraining yourself for at least thirty <laughs> seconds for coming out of that one. And and but the actor who replaced Julia Sawalia is Tandaway Newton, who was only four years younger than Julia Sawalia. So yeah. that there is something mm. fishy there. And Zachary Levi, who you know, has absolutely no charisma in this thing, and also is a little bit problematic himself. Um, you know, he's not well liked. Um, he is Shazam for anyone who who doesn't know who he is, and he just doesn't really bring any magic. Here. The other the other cast members do, um, and the story it's it's kind of simple. It's basically. Um it's a sort of, you know, the name Chicken Impossible has been going around. It is. If the first one um, uh, was a pastiche of The Great Escape, this one is sort of a spoof of, you know, uh, Mission Impossible, of James yeah. Bond, where you have the chickens. They're all, they all have this peaceful life. Um, there's a newcomer. It's a uh, little Molly voiced by Bella Ramsey, who's terrific in this, actually. Um, and she is Ginger and Rocky's hen. So they're together now and they have a kid. And Molly grows up kind of wondering, what's life like on the other side of the lake? And what's a, what is a human? And she sees these trucks in the distance, you know, with chickens in buckets and you know advertising this fun land for chickens now she doesn't know that that's a chicken nugget factory yeah (laughs) she thinks i want i want a part of that life so she escapes the island she befriends somebody across the way who's also you know in who wants to see what life is like off a a chicken sanctuary or chicken farm and they end up trapped in this sort of james bond like chicken nugget factory which and the plot chickens here sean uh it's run (laughs) but i'm so sorry sorry please don't uh please don't tune out um but the factory is actually run by mrs tweedy and okay of course so she's back and she's looking for revenge and look everyone involved has to go and try and save molly the last one being a breakout film this is a break-in film yeah okay and it's rusty yeah. yeah, I found myself looking at my watch a few times. You shouldn't oh. be doing that with an urban film. Um, it is, it's a bit too polished. It's a bit too sunny. Uh, part of the urban appeal is that it's supposed to be imperfect. You know, you're looking out for those imperfections on the clay yeah. and you're supposed to appreciate just the, the roughness and just that you can see, oh God, this must have taken them so long and I mm. appreciate that. There's a little bit of CG assistance and they've been doing that for the last few years on some of their films and TV shows and I don't really like it. Um yeah, it's just a bit too sanitized. The jokes geared towards the younger audience. Uh, Armin has always kind of had a very, you know, universal appeal. Yeah, in that, yeah. You, know, you were saying, Fanula, uh, about, you know, seeing it as a kid. I saw it as a kid and my whole family loved it. With this, I can only see the younger members of the family enjoying it. You know, the older members might, you know, laugh at a few jokes, but that's not what Armin is supposed to be. Armin's supposed to be for everyone in the audience. Yeah. Um, look, the, the the rats in there, you know, the, the rat friends that bring them everything. And like they, they in, in this one, you have the two rat friends um, basically coming to the island and giving them cutlery or popcorn or, you know, they're, they're, they're supplying them with the means that they, you know, need to survive. Um, they get all the best lines. There are, there is some good material there. But I just thought this is a bit... It's a bit like running into an old friend you haven't mm. seen in years and you used to love them and the longer you spend with them during this reunion, you're kind of like, and this is a weird analogy, but you're like, this is not the same. You know, I think... I'll, yes, in the yeah. in the interim yeah. period, they've discovered crypto uh, <laughs> and they spend the entire time <laughs> trying to convince you to invest in it. That's, uh, yeah, we ran away with that analogy there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's fine. It's watchable. It's, you know, it's it's an Aardman film, so there are still going to be times where you're like, oh, well, that looks great. Yeah. Um, but it's not, it's it's just not, it's not, it hasn't a patch on the original. Yeah. And, and within the film itself, within the story, are there indications that, you know, there might be a chicken run three? Oh, potentially, yeah. And yeah. the fact that the director's going around saying this is a reboot, you know, and if, and also if it ends up on that list 
that you had of, of the most watched yeah. Netflix films, they are going to want to make more. Or, I fear, make a TV series or something. I don't want that. I want something new from Aardman. Yeah, because you can fit, you can see, right, it's 28 years. Yeah. So you have people in their 30s who watch this as kids yeah. who now have kids themselves. So it's like over Christmas. Now, everybody in here, sit down and watch this with Mammy and Daddy. Yeah. Or just watch the original again. Yeah. yeah. Or, or stick on an old Wallace and Gromit film. Yeah. Uh, is it true there's going to be a new Beverly Hills Cop film yes. coming out? Yes, yes, that is true. Yeah, we yeah. were talking about we that. We were talking the about other that. One. I, yeah, the trailer is out. Or there's a teaser anyway, if anyone wants to go. Yeah. See that, Eddie Murphy back in action, yeah. Well, when is that coming out? Does anyone Next know? summer. Next summer. Ah, right. Yes. Bit of a wait. Then. Yeah, bit of a wait. Yeah. Now, what uh, is coming to an end is Curb Your Enthusiasm, though. I mean, it's coming to an end for the second time. Yeah, um, kind of lasted a little bit longer, the second iteration, than maybe I thought it would, just because it seemed like it was coming at a time when, like, reboots were so prevalent and mm. then they were just kind of gone after one season or two. But yeah, Curb Your Enthusiasm ending after 24 years, the 12th season, which is now the last season, airing uh, next spring. So expect that at some point. Um, aired originally for eight seasons between 2000 and 2011 and then took a six-year break, came back in 2017. Um, huge accolades, been nominated for 51 Emmys. Um, yeah, but... Uh, but he's, done. I mean, it, it, done. definitely, definitely ending because he'd have to die in well, the final I mean, episode to, to, <laughs> yeah, well, to be absolutely sure about that. Who knows what's going to happen to poor old Larry David, but yeah, he's he's 76 and he said that on social media, he's like, he's done, so... Okay, well, we'll see. Uh, and there's going to be a new uh, Lena Dunham uh, yes, thing on Netflix. for Netflix. I'm excited about this because of the cast, not necessarily Lena, Lena yeah, Dunham. Anyway. Kind of, yeah, I'm over her. Yeah, she yeah. has worked on this with her husband, uh, Louis Felber. It's a rom-com series. Uh, it's called Too Much and it stars Megan Stalter, who people know from Hacks, or if you're uh, chronically online like me, she's a very funny kind of internet comedian who kind of came up okay. on social media. Um, and Will Sharp, who people know as Ethan from season two of White Lotus. He was uh, brilliant in that. Um, They play a couple who decide to move from New York to London um, after a string of failed relationships. um, And it's, yeah, the hilarity hijinks ensues. I don't know when we're getting that. It's 10, 30 minute episodes. I think they're only starting to shoot in London Probably in the new year, so maybe okay. we'll get it till the end but, of the year. So, oh, so Lena Dunham so, isn't in it. She's not in it, no. Okay, she's, well, that's... that's, that's she's writing and co-creator, so... Yeah. You're like, okay, you might actually watch it. <laughs> yeah. But is there a bit of a thing? Actually, because... Is it a bit of a thing now, setting rom-coms in... Rom-com series in London? I think there's been a few of them lately. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of... Yeah. yeah. Kind of come up as a location, as a setting. When it was like, it's funny when you think of rom-coms, it's all very Americanized. But yeah, we've had mm. a good few decent ones come up. Come up the ranks in ye old London, so yeah, yeah maybe there's one on at the minute called um, Smothered. Yes, uh, that's right, yeah. very good. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a throwback to Richard Curtis's stuff. Yes, yeah, maybe a little bit smarter uh, and less problematic, but no, it's very good. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's what I'm thinking that it's the Richard Curtis influence is mm. still there, uh, uh, just for a, a new generation. Movies and booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer on News Talk. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we'll continue uh, with movies and booze. Uh, and Dominic West bought, uh, Prin- I see Prince Harry's all over yeah, Sky News today because mm. of that court case. Uh, he bought uh, Prince Harry's memoir. Did that, uh, for This is research? Yes. Um, so he's obviously playing King Charles in the latest series of The Crown. And he's doing all these interviews, obviously, because he's promoting it. And he was talking about how he kind of had a different perspective on Charles in comparison to The Crown creator Peter Morgan. Peter Morgan kind of very much saw Charles as distant and not necessarily very close to the son. Mm. 
to his sons, I should say rather, whereas uh, Dominic West had gone and spoken to people who knew uh, Charles and, you know, they talked about his passion and stuff and he said that was something he wanted to uh, bring to the role. Like they did all these discussions basically and then Harry's memoir comes out while they're filming Prince Harry's memoir, Spare. Um, and obviously in the book, Prince Harry writes about when uh, Charles told Harry about uh, his mother, Diana's death, which is documented in this series of The Crown as well. Um, and he was just basically saying that, like, I don't think Peter Morgan had read the book. So, and he'd basically been pouring over all these interviews as well. Um, so he said it kind of, not that it blew up his performance, but it was basically just, he said it kind of reset the way he wanted to play Charles in it. Okay. This series of The Crown has been so weird. I think he was also saying that he's kind of read the reviews and he's trying not to take much notice of them because the reviews have not been good. good. How did he How did he tell him? One has lost one's mother. Well, I, I can't remember how he does it in the, in the, in the show. <laughs> that's just, I just, my, that's off the top of my head. Right. Yeah, it's that's, amazing you didn't yeah. get the role actually. Yeah, like yeah, I'm surprised too. <laughs> uh, and all the amount of people I bribed yeah. uh, for that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's move on to our second uh, beer of the day. Uh, the, there was a, a Mini tasting happened during the ad break and it got uh, rave reviews from everyone here. Yeah, it's yeah. it's considered to be one of the best fruit beers in the world. Rodenbach Alexander. It is um, the base Rodenbach beer, but it is macerated on uh, sour cherry juice. Uh, so you've got an awful lot more fruit in this. Now, there's a, a kind of a joke about sour beers that you need to drink about three litres of them before you can decide whether you like them or not. Uh, with the uh, Rodenbach involved, there's a, quite a tar acidity to it. Um, when you add fruit to a beer, it brings in more sweetness and it, it kind of calms down that acidity. Uh, with this, it's interesting. They're using just cherries. But a whole pile of different fruit flavours come through in it and each of the fruit flavours kind of have a different character. So it's, uh, the raspberry is very specifically a kind of a sweet raspberry, almost the kind of blue raspberry flavour. Um, uh, there's a dry cranberry and then sour tart cherry uh, in it. And then there's a combination of that with some uh, bubble gum and uh, mm. almond marzipan. So I think now uh, with the first beer, we kind of had the tradition for Christmas with this one. Um uh, well, both of them would work, but this one in particular. Um, if you're looking for an alternative or an accompaniment to your cranberry sauce for Christmas Day, um, this works really well. It's got a whole pile of fruit flavour in it. You've got Bramley apple as well as the red, red fruit, uh, apricot. And um, uh, there are flavours that will kind of complement uh, stuffing, will complement uh, cranberry sauce and work really, really well with Christmas dinner. And their kind of dry acidity uh, cleanses the palate beautifully. Yeah, and they it must be said they both are very Christmassy bears. That's lovely. Uh, absolutely uh, so uh, all the reviews of The Crown are so bad but am I the only one who enjoyed it the ghost scene was OTT but the rest was decent uh, the actress who plays Diana is just sensational Elizabeth Trubicki is the actor that's playing Diana and she mm. is getting a lot of I won't say rave reviews but a lot of the positive discussion is around her but I know other people who've watched it and they thought it was good but then again I don't like it's very hard when you consider the heights it started out at mm. Was it, and especially when you're getting closer and closer to modern day and more recent events, and especially mm. with the creative liberties they took with, I don't know, Ghost Diana, in my opinion, very strange. Yeah. I know that's yeah. in agrees, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how he, he could have uh, researched that. Uh, yeah. The ghost appearing. Yeah. Uh, really. <laughs> <clears throat> True. Right, yeah. I don't know if it's a vote of confidence to call a movie What Happens Later, because obviously you leave the cinema and go home and have a bath or something. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's the next movie we're going to review. Uh, here's a clip. Attention travelers. The National Weather Service has identified the storm as a bomb cyclone. Bomb cyclone? Yes. 
We never used to have bomb cyclones. No, they seem new. We had bombs and we had cyclones, but not together. I know. Also, rain trains. Flash droughts. Fire tornadoes. Fire tornadoes. Hail hurricanes. Haley canes. And then you're making that last oh, one so up. Oh, so what? It, well, it's bad enough as it is without you making it up. You have a disturbing appetite for chaos, W. Davis. That was Thundersnow. Thundersnow? Yes. Jesus. Right. Okay. Uh, so, they're stuck in a hotel. Which is it, a kind of a, uh, 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 is this that a Christmas movie? Because that's a kind of a Christmassy trope as well. You would think so. Yeah, they're actually stuck in an airport. And uh, I, I, I thought for, for large parts, that even, even though Meg Ryan's character is, you know, repeatedly reminding the audience that it's Leap Day. I mm. think people actually call it Leap Day. Um, it does feel a bit Christmassy at times. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can get the gist of it there. You've got two people who used to be together, but haven't seen one another in 25, 26 years. They yeah. meet in an airport beneath the departures board. And they one of them was heading to Austin. The other one was heading to Boston. And their flights were grounded, redirected and grounded. And they're in this regional airport in the middle of nowhere. Why? Because the storm of the century is coming. And, yeah. You know, well, it's a little bit of snow from what we can see. Um, but they're, they're stuck. All the flights in the airport have, you know, are indefinitely delayed. And they spot one another. And they make small talk at first, but then, you know, look, they were together for a while. They were actually quite serious. Something quite serious happened to them. Um, So they decide to just dig it all up. They decide to share some secrets, talk about, you know, how happy or unhappy they are with their lives at the minute, how unhappy or happy they were with one another. Um, They argue, they bicker, they cry, they run away from one another, they keep coming back. They're drawn to each other. And Meg Ryan's character, she's called Willa Davis and his name is Bill Davis. They were never married, but they just had the same... Surname. Similar sounding first names and the same surname. Okay. So, yeah. And it's February 29th, as, as Willa keeps saying, and as I keep saying, uh, and she says that magic is in the air. And magic, and something magical might happen. And judging by that clip, you hear the airport announcer, um, uh, his name is Hal Liggett in real life, um, there's something fishy. It's like almost like the audience, or it's like the universe wants them to reconvene, or there was a reason why they mm. have reunited at this airport. And the longer the film goes on, it pushes out. No one else in this film has a speech role and everyone who is around them in the airport they eventually disappear so that's so it's only just two. a two-hander it's for the whole thing yeah this thing is based on a play and you would know it uh, yeah it's yeah. based on a play by Stephen Dietz called Shooting Star um with these two actors actually it would work so well on a stage um as a film it's so weird uh, there were times that it's, it's so strange. There were times where, and I'm not giving anything away at this point because this is not the case, but this is what I thought. I thought they were dead. <laughs> I oh, right. I was like, are we, oh, I did, well, they did Princess Diana walk through the airport. <laughs> and you, you know, if she had walked by them and said hello, and yeah. wave, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, it's, yeah, so it's very, so that's not what happens. I haven't spoiled anything. That said, I did like it. I was charmed by it. And Hmm. I think a lot of that is down to Ryan, Meg Ryan. She is just a pro. She's a veteran at this kind of stuff. Her comic timing is still, it's up there with the best of them. Um, There's a good rapport, there's good chemistry with David Duchovny. And although he's not used to these kinds of films, he knows exactly how they work. Um, And the two of them, once they start getting into the nitty gritty stuff of why that relationship fell apart, you believe it, you buy it, you buy that they were a couple. Hmm. And also you start caring about the characters. And so many, you know, some people keep saying that there's a bit of a romantic comedy renaissance at the minute i'm not you know i'm on the big screen i'm not sure if that's that's true maybe on the small screen um but there there are very few characters like this very few characters that you come away from having cared about for the time that you're watching them and you do actually start to feel something for them yeah um so it's not very well directed the script could be a bit sharper but i've watched those two all day and if they wanted to actually do um a play version together i would actually go see it so very very strange 
um, but actually quite moving and a little bit funny in places. Okay, uh, is she? But is you know, she, you mentioned earlier, Meg Ryan mentions Nora Ephron. That yeah. that, that, that there's, there is is this a kind of an attempt, a very deliberate attempt? Uh, and she was the queen of the sitcom yeah. to kind of reinvent the sitcom. For uh, I think I think so. Yeah, it does say for Nora at yeah. the end of it, um, which is both a strength and a weakness, you know, because I say weakness because it reminds us of the films that she starred in by Nora Ephron and they were so much sharper and funnier yeah. and, and all the rest of it. Uh, and and I'm, I'm amazed that this film has just sank. At the, it, it, no one went to see it in America. Oh. Uh, and you would think this is a rom-com you know, directed, written by, produced and starring Meg Ryan. Why didn't everyone show up for this? Why was there no more press for it? The answer, I, the answer to that, I don't know. Um, but if she wants to keep making films like this, because she has been very quiet over the last 10 years, keep making films like this. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's uh, actually both these films, uh, the Chicken Run film and this film, are they both in cinemas? Uh, so what happens later is in cinemas and Chicken Run is just on Netflix. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you have okay. to leave the house, see Meg Ryan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. Maybe, that <laughs> maybe that's what the problem was, the whole leaving the house thing. Uh, so that's our, uh, that's our lot uh, for today. Thanks to Fanula and, and Dean and Chris. Movies and booze on Moncrief. With Marks and Spencer. On News Talk.